0: started this morning as you find your seat, if you would, open your Bible to Psalms, Psalm number three this morning, and we're going to read just one verse together, and then open in prayer, have some special things this morning. Hope that you had a good Thanksgiving week this week with family, and uh, those of you that travel, how many of you traveled somewhere, as we said, Wednesday night, you traveled somewhere other than like Dinwiddie, Louisa, you traveled (laughs) further than that this week, okay. Uh, my family, we went to West Virginia, and um, most of my other family still there. My brother, mom, everybody's still there, so we're glad you made it back. I know we have a number of people traveling back uh, this afternoon after church this morning, and so we're in prayer for them as well. Uh, but we're glad to have some visitors with us this morning as guests to speak this morning, and I think you're going to recognize them in just a little while. But as we uh, open this morning, if you would, look at Psalm number 3, Psalm number 3. And we're going to read verse number 8 together, and uh, we'll open our service with prayer. And uh, we'll mention him again the next few days, but if you would, pray for uh, Jack Ferguson. He is in Finland, and um, he is uh, nice, warm, balmy weather there in Finland as he's gotten, as he's arrived. But uh, many of you had a part in giving toward a love offering to help send Jack as on a Uh, short-term mission trip while he's on break from college and so he flew in wednesday right had thanksgiving and flew out friday and so he ate turkey and then went to finland Um, and so we're praying for jack as he's there in finland pray for the uh, he's the missionary family he's serving with is the whipler family if you would Uh, You can write that name, Andrew Whipler, down, and uh, maybe they're the ones that need the prayer while Jack is there, but I'm excited for it. Pray that God will continue to burden his heart, give him clarity as far as what God wants him to do. He feels called into some sort of mission and ministry work, and so while he's there in Finland, pray that he is a a blessing to them and gets to learn and see some of those things firsthand, and he'll be there about halfway through the month of December or so, and so we're uh, praying for uh, Jack this week as well. All right. Psalm number three. Look, if you would, at verse number eight and let's all read just verse number eight. One single verse today. Let's read it out loud together. In fact, we're probably going to read it twice so we can get familiar with it and then uh, read it with some energy this morning. All right. Look at verse number eight. Ready? Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Say, now, that was pretty good. Let's read it again. Notice it says salvation belongs to God. Aren't you glad that your salvation isn't determined by anything or anyone else. Uh, The people you made mad this week, they don't get to decide that. Uh, The ways that you failed this week, you don't even get to decide that. If you're in Christ this morning, your salvation belongs to the Lord, and He doesn't lose anything. So let's read uh, Psalm 3, verse 8 one more time. We'll open with prayer, and then uh, Hannah has an instrumental song. Hannah and Karen have an instrumental they'll play for us this morning. Ready? Psalm 3, verse number 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Salem. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. We um, are thankful for your spirit. And uh, that by your Son, we have salvation. And that this morning as we come, the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ has allowed us to know you and to know the Father. And then in turn, by your Spirit, you... Teach us about yourself from your word, and we thank you for that. Uh, You are merciful, you are good, and we praise you for who you are. I thank you for the opportunity that we had this week. As we mentioned Tuesday night, it's interesting that the world and culture society sets aside time to focus on being thankful and, and giving gratitude and thanksgiving for the blessings that we have in our lives and for our families and for... Uh, the opportunity that we had to be with friends, but we know this morning as followers of Christ that there is ultimately one that we can be thankful toward, and that is God. And we are so thankful this week that we've had that opportunity to express our gratitude. We pray that we would continue to grow in gratitude as we see the grace that you have given in our lives. I thank you for these people that are here this morning gathered, and uh, we uh, we praise you for the opportunity that we have to sing to you, to worship you, and to praise your holy name. Uh, We're thankful for uh, those that are traveling, able to see family today. We pray that you give them safety as they return from their holiday travel in the next few hours, and we ask that you uh, guide and direct them and bring them back to us safely as well. And then today, help us to be a blessing to the Job family as they're with us today, and seeking to plant a church and do your will, and Uh, May their burden become our concern and burden as well. May we help them and uh, see you do a great work and be glorified there in the area and uh, not far from us uh, that needs a church. And we pray that you'd bless our efforts today to glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. you would this morning take a look there at your bulletin today a little different on our schedule uh, today or a little different format with uh, a guest with us this morning but before they come I just want to draw your attention to one particular announcement there and you see our Christmas missions offering through the month of uh, December we started announcing this last week uh, but each year we pick uh, missions need or a couple sometimes it may be something Um, around our ministry as well, or outreach as well as missions offering. But this year, two different missions needs that we are going to be uh, focusing on with our Christmas missions offering and splitting it between the two. You see the mention there, the Stephen Troell family. We've been praying for a number of weeks for the Troell family. Stephen was um, ministering in the country of Iraq and uh, tragically lost his life in the month of November and, of course, unexpected Uh, for his family, and uh, he has three daughters, I believe 17, 15, and 11, and then a a toddler-aged son and his wife, and they're back. They're in the States. Stephen's funeral is actually tomorrow, and so if you would uh, be praying for his family. Uh, We don't support them right now on a monthly basis, but we are acquainted with them as missionaries, and we want to uh, help contribute and support them and their families. They've had to come off the field very unexpectedly, and Uh, some of the transitions that they'll be going through and uh, the loss there of uh, Stephen. So we want to help this family, and we will throughout the month of December. And then David Coltrane, building a church, uh, has been in the Philippines for quite a while, but this is a a physical church building project that they started. uh, Back just before COVID, they purchased the land and had their prices all set and in order. And then, of course, as they've gotten into that project, Uh, Things have changed and there's been a lot of delays because of uh, some things there in the Philippines and so they're trying to wrap that up and a little bit extra toward that cause will help them do so. So we want to help them, both those missionaries, this month and you can do that by writing Christmas missions either on your offering envelope and uh, giving at the uh, box there in the Welcome Center or by designating online. If you go to uh, missions and then choose special, you can write in uh, Christmas missions and Uh, give that way as well. So we want to be a part of that. You see our missionaries for the week there at the bottom uh, serving the Lord throughout the world and we're happy to be uh, used to partner with them as well. Thankful for that. And you see today we're having a church planting Sunday uh, that we're emphasis on church planting uh, and we typically bring in a few church planters each year and we like when they're uh, planting all over the place. We of course bring in missionaries as well for Throughout the world, but uh, something special about uh, helping a church be planted not too far away in a community that needs a church, and we're thankful for that. And you see there, Scott and Julie Job and their family, Megan and Caleb, they're with us today. Church planting in Fluvanna County, Virginia, they're in Palmyra, and you say that sounds familiar. You've probably driven right through it and never even known it or paid too much attention, kind of halfway between. Uh, Richmond, and Charlottesville, and there's a need for uh, a Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching church there in that area, and uh, Scott and Julie feel burdened to go and be planting and plant a church here. You see there that Julie's no stranger to us. She grew up here in our church and ministry and our school, and uh, then taught here in our school as our church pianist for a number of years, and so when Scott comes in a moment, the first question he has to answer is why he took her away. Um... (laughs) No, but we're excited. Uh, You may not have even noticed the transition, but Julie uh, switched and is playing the piano for us this morning. She's going to play a special in a moment after Scott uh, introduces their ministry. But Scott, why don't you come on and he'll introduce himself, his family, a little bit about him. You see some things there and then on the back as well. And then he'll introduce, they have a video uh, presentation as well about uh, their burden.
1: Well, my name is Scott Job. I uh, met Julie about 10 years ago. And I still remember you know, we were in, married in the chapel back there by Dr. Sumter. And he told us, he said, you know, there may be a, a mistake or two along the way in the service, but when when it's done, you'll be married. And we were, and we've been married ever since. So uh, I was living in Oklahoma, so we, we drove back to Oklahoma and lived there several years, worked in a church, and about four years ago, uh, the Lord moved us back to Virginia to join Albemarle Baptist Church in uh, Charlottesville, mm-hmm. and we started to notice we were living uh, closer out a little bit east of there in uh, Gordonsville, and we started to notice it's 45 minutes to Charlottesville to the church, and there were people coming from the north and the south and the east and the west, you know, driving half an hour or 45 minutes to come to Albemarle, and there's not another Independent Baptist church out that direction anywhere that we could find so we began to pray about it and that's where the Lord led us was to, to Palmyra which is uh, Brother J- Pastor James explained it pretty well if you get on 64 and you drive towards Charlottesville about two thirds of the way there is a little place called Zion Crossroads and if you go south of Zion Crossroads everything south of 64 is uh, Palmyra is uh, Fluviana County everything, and then everything north of the James River so it's about 23 miles from from north to south and about 23 miles from east to west. And as near as we can tell, there is no Independent Baptist Church anywhere in that county. It's about 27,000 people and no Independent Baptist Church. So Palmyra is the county seat, and it's centrally located so we can reach uh, m- most of the county from, from there. About a month ago, we started... A Bible study at the local library. They have a conference room, and they uh, had us put down a $25 cleaning deposit and said, You can use the room for free. And so, free is generally better than cheap. And uh, so, we've been passing out flyers and, and doing some door knocking. Uh, we have a radio ad and different different ways of getting the, the word out. We generally had a positive response. Uh, we had one fella that we came up to talk to him. He found out we were from a church, and he said, Well, I'm educated in science. And so is my family. You're not going to get anywhere talking to me about religion. And so, praise God, we weren't giving him religion. We were trying to take him Christ, but he didn't know the difference. So, but other than that, we've had a generally positive response. And I think we'll go ahead and do the video at this point. Welcome to Fluvanna County. Bluvena County is a diamond in the heart of Virginia with a population of about 27,000 people. Palmyra, the county seat, has a population of about 100. However, its location in the center of the county makes it ideal for a church to reach into the entire county. Bluvena County is bounded to the north by Interstate 64 and to the south by the James River. There are two large population centers near Palmyra. The first is the Spring Creek subdivision, just across the county line in Zion Crossroads. second is Lake Monticello, a large gated community northwest of Palmyra with 9,600 people. Lovana is primarily rural, with small towns and winding driveways. However, large tracts of land are currently for sale along its major highways, including Route 15, Highway 53, and Route 6. As these are bought and developed, the population will continue to grow. Since 2000, population in Fluvanna has already increased almost 37%. That's more than twice the rate of increase in the United States as a whole in the same period. Whether they live in rural or developed areas, the people of Fluvanna need Christ. While Fluvanna has many houses of worship, both big and small, traditional and contemporary. As far as we can determine, there is no independent fundamental Baptist church anywhere in the county. Studies show that approximately 78% of the population of Fluvanna does not attend church anywhere. God has called us, the Job family, to plant an independent Baptist church in Fluvanna.
2: We were married in 2013 the Lord has blessed us with two children, Megan in 2014 and Caleb in 2017. In 2018, we left Muskogee, Oklahoma, and moved to Louisa, Virginia. We began attending Albemarle Baptist Church in Charlottesville, Virginia, under the leadership of Mark Deloach. We found that many members, other than ourselves, were traveling as much as 35 to 45 minutes from surrounding counties, including Fluviana attend church in Albemarle County. The Lord has placed upon our hearts to establish Foundations Bible Baptist Church to reach Fluvanna County for Christ by seeking the lost, strengthening the saints, and serving the Savior. As
1: we begin, we will
2: enlist prayer and financial support from local churches like you. Pray for families within the gated communities of Lake Monticello and Spring Creek. Spread the gospel by every door mailings, social media, door knocking, and Bible studies.
1: As souls were saved, we will baptize and teach them to follow the Lord. This historic courthouse in downtown Palmyra reminds us that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Can you help us as we seek to share the good news of salvation with the people of Fluvanna County.
0: excited to hear about what God is going to use them toward there in the Fluvanna County area, and I think you can see the evident need uh, of an area that we often pass by, and uh, there's a lot of people there uh, that need the gospel, and so we're excited for the Job family to be able to go, and uh, we want to partner with them. We're going to uh, look in the next few weeks at bringing on another missionary family or two, and then also uh, the Job family. As well to take them on for monthly support as they begin to uh, seek to God's will in planting this church. You see there at the bottom says that we we want to help partner with them. But today you can help uh, by we're taking a love offering today for their church uh, for this family and uh, their church plant as well. And so if you would, uh, you can take part in that designate Job on just write out the word Job on um, any offering envelope and turn it at the offering box or. Uh, you can do the same thing online. If you go to missions and then choose special, uh, you can give uh, and designate to the Job family as well. Uh, We want to give Brother Scott the opportunity to speak this morning. He's going to preach. I think it's important uh, when we send out a missionary or a church planner to be able to hear how they handle God's Word and uh, allow them to share their burden for what it is that God wants them to do, but also uh, their heart for the Lord and for uh, God's Word. And so he's going to preach for us in a few minutes. He can uh, speak to any more about the church plant that he'd like or his family and then uh, he will uh, lead us in God's word this morning as well but before he does and many of you have treated this as the main attraction that Julie is going to come back and play the piano for us today but now uh, Julie has played the uh, piano ministered in that way for a number of years here and uh, we're glad they're back with us today and so we said we're gonna if they're coming back we're gonna make them work all day and uh, but we're glad that Julie's with us today. She's going to play a special for us. And then after. uh,
1: Well, it's always a privilege to to visit Landmark. It's an even greater privilege to to stand behind this pulpit. Appreciate the pastor inviting me in. Appreciate you all being here when you knew I was coming. So let's go to uh, Ezra. Chapter 1. I remember when Julie and I got engaged. I had flown out from Oklahoma to, to come see her. And Brother Dom called us up into his office. And he said... I just want you to know, you're marrying a jewel. I don't know about you, anything about you yet, but you're marrying a jewel, and, and that's been true. So, All right, Let's start at uh, the very end of Second Chronicles. I'm going to start uh, in the last chapter, verse 22, just to get our context. and We're going to read up through verse 2 of chapter 2. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. Continuing in Ezra chapter 1, it says, Now the first year of, King's, uh, of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts, besides the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit God had raised, up, raised, to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Let's get down to chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now these are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity, of those which had been carried away from when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon, and came again to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone unto his city, which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpah, Bigvah, Rehum, Belaniah, the number of the people of the men, the number of the men of the people of Israel. And the rest of the chapter is a whole bunch of names that we're not going to read. But it's all of the people that went up with them. So, if you notice, 2 Chronicles ends the same way that Ezra begins. It's almost word for word. And so God had (coughs) sent Nebuchadnezzar to take the people of, of Judah into captivity because of their sin. And this is 70 years later. And God had prophesied by Isaiah that a king by the name of Cyrus would build his house and would help his people. And so here we have a king named Cyrus. I think it's very interesting. Cyrus was not a a Jew. He was not a God-fearer as far as we know. And yet God took this pagan king and moved his heart And said, you need to help my people, and you need to make sure my house gets built. And that just shows that no matter who's in the White House or who's in the State House, God's still in control. God can move on the heart of whoever is in leadership to do what needs to be done. And so, I personally believe that Daniel was there. We know he was there in the reign of Cyrus. And maybe he had something to do with it. But we know for certain that Daniel was praying about it at this time. That the 70 years was up and Daniel began to pray. And we find certain, so all of a sudden that Cyrus comes on the scene and he says, anybody that wants to go back and build, build Jerusalem, build the temple, go back. But I want to focus today on... Um, this list of people in chapter 2, most of whom we've never heard of. I imagine, even if you've been studying the Bible for 50 years, most of us have not read this list of names, and if we did, we just sort of read through it, and not really thought about what it says, about why it's there. Now, I don't know, when when I was in junior high, I played a little bit of basketball, Okay, I sat on the bench on the basketball team. But, but I played a little bit of basketball. And I was in a small school where we had 10 boys in, in junior high, in the seventh and eighth grades. And so to make up a basketball team, you need 10 people. You need five to play and five to sit on the bench. And so I, I made the team. But that's not always the case. I remember in Oklahoma, they had a high school named called Jinx, Jinx High School, in Jinx, Oklahoma, J-E-N-K-S, not the other way. And so at Jinx, you could be really good at any other school and not make the team at Jinx because they got the best. They won the state championship almost every year. It was either them or one other team. Won the high school state championship in football almost every year. And so if you would go to Jinx, you may or may not make the team, no matter how good you were, because they could pick the cream of the crop. And that's sort of what we have here. We have a group that is a select group. It tells us how many there were, and it was about 1% of the population of Jews that would have been in Babylon. So they're a very small minority. And yet, they made the list. None of the other 99% made it into the Word of God. But this group is in the Word of God twice. And one of the times is here in in Ezra chapter 2. So I'd like to talk for a second about three lists that everybody here ought to want to be on. Of course, the first list is the list of salvation. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. I'm going to turn there so I can read it properly. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. It's a very famous passage. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things, but were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. Everybody at this judgment failed, by the way. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And there's going to be a day when everybody here is going to stand before the Lord. And God's going to give a fair shake because he's going to open the records that he has of every thought that's ever been thought. And every word that's ever been said. And every place that's ever been gone. And everything that's ever been done. And all the things that should have been done that didn't get done. And what the motives were behind those things that did get done. And every single one of us is going to fail. You say, well, that's cheerful. It says, everybody whose name is not on the list. Everybody whose name is not in the book of life is going to fail. They're going to have an eternity in the lake of fire. Without God, without Christ, without good, without hope. You say, what's that got to do with Ezra chapter 2? Well, let's go back to Ezra 2, because not everybody made the list. Ezra chapter 2 and verse 61. <clears throat> it's listing all of the people that went back. Verse 61 says, Now the children of the priests, the children of Habiah, the children of Kaz, the children of Barzillai, which took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai the Gileadite and was called after their name. These sought their register among those that were record by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood. And the Tersheta, that's the governor, said unto them that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and with Thummim. So here are these people, and they were among God's people. They were with God's people. And they were willing to serve. They were willing to leave where they were and do for God and to build God's house. And yet they didn't make the list because they didn't know who they were. See, they were all reckoned by genealogy. We're not reckoned by genealogy. I don't have to be descended from Levi or Judah. But that's how they reckoned in the Old Testament. If you were going to be a Jew, you had to be descended from one of the tribes of Israel. And they couldn't prove their genealogy. See, our genealogy says we're all sinners. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There's not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans 3.10 says, For there is none righteous, no not one. We all know Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And of course, the punishment for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, for, all, for the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 20. Again, I'm going to turn there. Ezekiel, chapter 20. Excuse me, at chapter 18 and verse 20. It says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. You can't get grandfathered into heaven. I talk to people, they say, well, my grandpa was this, or my dad was this, or my mom was that, or my uncle was... And it doesn't matter. God says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. I'm responsible for my sin, and each one of us here is responsible for our own sin before God. And the wages of that sin is not only physical death, but the second death, again, in the lake of fire. And the only way to avoid that is to make sure your name's on the list. Your name is in the book of life. My salvation verse is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Some of you know I was raised in a preacher's home. When I was 11 years old, I started working on my heart right here in Matthew chapter 7.
0: going to be people that say, but I was a member of the
1: church. But I taught Sunday school for 15 years. But I got baptized. But I preached the gospel. But I was a deacon. And Jesus is going to say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. All that good stuff you did was iniquity. It didn't get you any brownie points with God because your name's not on the list. We all know John chapter 3, verse 3. Nicodemus, a very religious man, by our standards today, a very holy man. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. George Whitfield, who was a, a great evangelist back around before the American Revolution, his favorite text was John 3.3, 3, You must be born again. And they said, Brother Whitfield, why do you preach so much on John 3.3, Ye must be born again? He said, the reason is because you must be born again. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, That he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on him, on the Son, is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, either you have put your entire and complete trust in the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away your sin, or you have not. And that's the only way you get your name in the book of life. That's the only way you make the list. There's a second list that we find in Ezra chapter 2. That's the list of service. I'm going to get back in Ezra chapter 2. back to verse chapter 1 though we know that Cyrus has his decree verse 5 says then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites and all those whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem so these people were going to serve God they were willing to leave where they were and go where the work needed to be done They heard the word. Let's talk about Cyrus. Here's Cyrus. He's a man, right? And he sends out the word. He's the king. And they heard the word of the king. And they volunteered. It says that Cyrus, Cyrus knew. He said, God told me to say this. Now I know that Cyrus' decree was not scripture, other than what's recorded for us here. But, but but if only we had the Spirit of God that had spoken to some men and they wrote it out, tell us how we ought to live. What we ought to do. <laughs> I think we have sixty-six books full. That ought to be enough. Amen. Of men that God moved them and told them exactly what to write. this list of service. They heard the word. They heard the word of the king. And then it says in verse 5, their spirit God raised. God touched their heart. They heard the word and the Holy Spirit began to move and say, you need to do this. They're looking for volunteers. There's work to be done. You need to do this. By the way, it doesn't have to be necessarily from scripture. It can be from a pastor standing up and saying, you know what, we need nursery workers. Are we listening? All right, hey, it can be from someone coming side and saying, hey, would you be willing to volunteer down in the kids department? And so they heard the word, and they the spirit moved them. The spirit began to work with them. I think it's interesting, we won't go there, but you go over to Exodus 35, and they're building the tabernacle, and they start taking an offering, and it says, first of all, they heard the word, Moses said, this is what God said, and it says that their spirit was moved, and their heart was made willing. So if you're going to get on the list of service, you first of all have to be saved. You have to be on the list for salvation. But then you have to hear the word, and the spirit will move, and you need to be willing to do what God wants you to do. But not only were, did they hear the word, not only did the spirit begin to move, not only were they willing, they got up and did it. That's that's part of what the altar is here for. Amen. When a man preaches the word of God and the Spirit moves, and you say, "I'm willing to do it," I'll get around to it eventually. this altar is a, is an ability to respond and say, "I'm going to say yes right now." Because because I've been there, you can sit in your seat and be willing when you come forward and give it to God. That sticks with you. So the list of salvation, the list of service. We've got one more. That's the list of faithfulness. See, it's it's one thing, dare I say, to stand in front of the church with a woman in a long white dress and say, I do. And it's another thing to find that same woman 15 years later and still be happily married to her. It's one thing to have a baby, but what our our society loves weddings and babies, they don't set moments like marriage and children It's one thing to have a baby. It's another thing to raise that child to know God and to love God and to serve God. Day in and day out for as long as it takes. I heard it said, you know, that anybody can be a father. It takes a special man to be a daddy. So, you can be saved, and you can even begin to serve and begin to do right and say, I'm willing. But it's something else to stay with it. And these people stayed with it. You say, How do you know? I told you they were listed twice in Scripture, right? And when God puts somebody in the Bible once, that's pretty special. When God puts the same person in the Bible twice, It means something. Let's go to Nehemiah. Now, if you look at things, this is after the captivity, of course. Nehemiah, excuse me, Ezra, begins in about 536 B.C., after the 70-year captivity. And that's when Zerubbabel and this group in chapter 2 came back to rebuild the temple. And at the end of the book of Ezra, God sent a man named Ezra several years later. And he began to work with the people there. Nehemiah is about 90 years later. He's in about 445 B.C. So about 90 years after chapter 2. We all know Nehemiah went back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Chapter 7, verse 1. Nehemiah, chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when the wall was built, and I had set up the doors, and the porters, and the seniors, and the Levites were appointed. But I gave my brother Hanani, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by with them, shut the doors and bar them, and appoint watchers over the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch, and everyone to be over against his house. So the wall was built, and they had established ways to keep, use the wall, right? To make sure the gates were open at the right times and closed at the right times, and so that the wall was useful. And then he says, Now the city was large, verse 4, and great, but the people were few therein, and the houses were not builded." He says, we got the wall built, but there's nobody living in the city. How are we re- going to repopulate Jerusalem? Verse 5, And my God put into mine heart together, together, the nobles and the rulers and the people, that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them which came up at the first... And found written therein, These are the children of the prophets that went up out of the captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and came again to Jerusalem and to Judah, every one with his city, under his city, who came with Zerubbabel and Jeshua. And it begins to give the list again. So here's Nehemiah, 90 years later, and he's got a problem. And he did not go to the consultants. And he did not go to the Christian bookstore. And he did not go to Christian TV. And he did not go online to the website. Got to throw that in for the new kids. Hey, so, hey, he didn't go there. You know what he did? He looked back to those people 90 years ago that had begun a work and finished it, And he said, "You know what? Maybe they were onto something." But we know in independent Baptist circles today, we look back to people, of course, two thousand years ago, people like Peter and Paul and John and James and Jude. But we also look back to people five hundred years ago. And we look back to people 200 years ago, like George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards. And we look back a hundred years to people like A.J. Gordon. You say, who are all these folks? Go look them up yourself. They're there. We look back sixty or seventy years to men like J. Frank Morris, who's called the Preacher's Preacher. And this Charles Spurgeon. We look back to him. He was a great preacher that stood up and said, this is what God wants us to do. And they did it. And W.B. Riley. And some great men of the past. And we look back and we say, they were faithful. They were saved and they stood on the book and they served God and they struck it out. And I just wonder if the Lord tarries Fifty years ago, a hundred years ago. A hundred years from now, excuse me. Fifty years from now. A hundred years from now. Is anybody going to look back at Landmark Baptist Church and say, you know, those people saw God. Those people knew God. They served God. They were faithful. They stuck it out to the end. And God did a work. Amen. Amen. I don't know. But I do know this. God's keeping a record in heaven. And even if 50 years from now or 100 years from now, nobody else on earth knows it, God will know, and the angels will know, and the people in heaven will know whether or not we were faithful. (laughs) And so three lists that everybody ought to want to be on First one is the list of salvation. Secondly, the list of service. You need to hear the word and be moved and be willing and then move. And then the, test of, the the list of faithfulness. How many lists are your name on? How many lists is my name on? Let's all stand and ask you to stand and bow your heads we're going to pray and we'll have pastor come heavenly Father thank you for your word thank you for these people that are here would I pray if there's anyone who's not Put their name in the book of life. Had you write their name in the book of life, that they would do it today. I pray if there's anyone here, any of us who are not serving you in the way that you'd have us to, that we would move today. I pray you'd help us all to be faithful for as long as you leave us here. I do pray that you would work.
0: In Jesus' name. As you bow your head there just for a moment, let's, let's just focus and think for just a moment on what we've heard this morning. If you are a Christian this morning, you're saved, and you have the first list, and your Lord has redeemed your soul. You can be thankful this morning. Praise Him for it. If not, I pray that you would seek us out. Even now, At any of our invitations, you're welcome to come, and someone will take you aside and show you how you can know for sure. As you know Christ this morning. Seek us out after the service. But what, what about serving? Has the Lord laid on your heart something in particular? How are you serving? It's not whether or not the Lord has called you to serve. It's how has He called you to serve. You should be serving the Lord in your local church in some way, uh, serving the Lord together in in forms of outreach and. Seeking the lost, but also serving each other. Uh, How are you serving God here in this church? How has God laid it on your heart to do it? Serving our families? How are you serving your family in a Christ like way? How are you serving your neighbor, as Jesus told us? How are you serving and loving? What is it that God has laid on your heart to do that you haven't done, that you've thought about and thought that might be neat, or you've waited for some confirmation? Well, Give that to the Lord this morning. Step forward and, and serve Him. And then He calls us to faithfulness. And it's truth in our message this morning, and we're asking that God will teach it, confirm that truth in our hearts today. Let's uh, pray, and then we're going to sing a song together and sing that God is our joy. He is our salvation. He is the one that has called us to serve. He's the one that's called us to be faithful. and. Here at this altar there at your seat, however God has worked, we ask that you commit yourself to him this morning. Lord, help us again as we confirm what it is that you've taught us in our hearts, that your spirit would confirm it and move in us. We thank you for the message and we thank you for uh, these servants, this family, as they seek to serve you and to bring others to know you, to be added to those the list of those that you have saved and redeemed. And then as you encourage them and call them to be faithful, may you lift them up and may we be an encouragement to them as well. But first, here and now, may you work in our hearts personally and individually. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can look toward the screen and we'll sing this together as we close.